0: Oh, it's good to be here this morning, isn't it? It's just a fantastic privilege we have, but um, there's a lot going on in our world, and I just want to touch on some of that this morning, just before I start, and then um, um, talk this morning about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is a bit of a continuation of the um, John Stock book we're doing on Through the Bible in a year. And there's a heap of topics this week which we're just going to skim some stones over, but hopefully give some, um, some thought that might provoke you in your life groups this week as well and in your daily life. So let's pray. God, we could almost say honestly before you that in an audience of this size that there are people who are having a really, really bad week. And I pray, God, that in that circumstance if this is you this morning, that you would know the presence and the peace of the Lord. Lord, I I pray for us as a church as we move forward, as as we journey together in this time, as people come and people go and we pray for that couple as they head to Gladstone. Lord, I pray your blessing on their life, on their family, on their work. For each of us, Lord, in the lives that we live and on all that goes on, I pray that same prayer, your blessing, your insight, your wisdom, your presence on our lives, on our circumstances, on our homes, and on our work. For we truly do represent you, we truly do go with you, and you truly do go with us, and we pray a sense of that this morning for your honour and glory. Amen. Amen. Well, for those that um, do know me and those that don't, my name's Jeff Bales. I, um, while I'm employed here as a, a minister, I actually work for the Queensland Police Service as a um, police chaplain, which is good, bad and ugly on any given day. But it's, I enjoy what I do. Um, I, I've recently, since, since I've spoke here last, have been appointed as a regional minister to um, Queensland Baptists. On a, on a part time basis, so you know, I'm not busy enough as a police chaplain, so I thought I'd chuck a bit more in there as well. So, for those of you that come from an Anglican tradition, it's like a part time bishop role, sort of ish, um, which is a good thing. Um, and it, it's, it's good to be here, um, and I really enjoy the privilege of coming back to this church, family home, and, and just speaking this morning. I think there's um, a couple things I, I just want to touch on. One is in, in, from a denominational point of view, from the Baptist Queensland Baptist point of view, as we continue to restructure ourselves as we continue to move forward into, into trying to define what is it that God has for us. So I think we should be in prayer for our leaders and for those um, for Brent, as ministers of churches in, in our region and for our denominational leaders as they continue, to, to seek the Lord on strategies and direction and, and where the, the denomination is orientating itself to have the greatest impact for the kingdom, for what God has for us as a people. The other thing I just briefly want to touch on is, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but tomorrow's Hannah Clark's funeral. Remember the lady who got burnt with the three kids? Um, I'll be attending that in my police chaplain role. Um... I read the um, Courier Mail while I was waiting for a coffee at a, at a coffee shop and the day after I think it happened. And I remember the police commissioner, that's what made me read the article because my big boss and the police was it in, in the press and she said, where are the good men? And, and I want to encourage us as men and as women that we have a responsibility to stand against this terrible thing that comes against our families. But one of the things that surprised me in the police when I became a police chaplain is we have this unit for domestic violence. If you look at the call-out charts and the fact sheets on the coppers is domestic. They get DV after DV after DV after DV. It is a scourge on our community. And i would encourage you, if, if you know someone or if you perpetrate that, seek help. You need help. After working with people who have suffered much domestic violence, you're worth more than whatever you're living in at the moment. But we have a responsibility as a church, I think, to pray against such things and to make a stand against such things. I have no problem with turning up to Hannah Clark's funeral and her kids tomorrow. I have no problem doing the March for Domestic Violence. Why? Because I believe as a, as a Christian and as a male, I have a God-given right to represent and represent well. And that starts in my home, to my wife, it starts in my children, and then it starts out professionally and socially in what I do. The other thing I just want to touch on, I think, is the issue of the coronavirus. It fascinates me. I am not medical at all. I don't even take Panadol. I struggle with vitamin C, right? I'm, I'm not. Don't put me anywhere near medicine. I had to go this week for a blood test. The, the lady says, you got any questions? I said, is there any other way of getting it out without putting that sharp thing in me? I, 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 I faint at the sight of blood. Well, not quite faint, but, you know, I go very pale. Hate swallow on tablet, I hate all that stuff. But the coronavirus fascinates me. The idea that we're all stacking stack toilet paper too just makes me laugh. I had someone from Gumtree bought something from me off, gum, off my wife from Gumtree last night. He's a doomsday prepper. Oh, He was cracking me up. If you're buying lots of toilet paper, I don't mean to offend you. Um, but what does interest me about it is why is such a virus getting, creating so much fear in our community? And I can't help but think, and I get the germ thing, and I get that we should practice hygiene, and I get the whole isolation, and I get all that, I get all the the common sense stuff. But I also can't help but think if spiritually underneath there's this spirit of fear that's just using that as a front to put so much torment and stress and anxiety and fear in the community. I think one of the great things we have and responsibilities we have as Christians is to counteract fear with God's peace, express common sense in how we conduct ourselves with hygiene and all that sort of stuff, and to bring that peace to those around us and whom we live with. It's just part of being a Christian. I just want to encourage you with that. This morning, though, I do want to speak on... um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Brent sent me an email a couple of weeks ago, and Jeff, you could speak on this, 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 or this, but I want you to speak on that. Sweet. I'm going to give you two verses to do it. Even better. Um, so it's um, John chapter 16, verses 12. I'm going to make it three verses because it just takes me to the end of the page. Talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I really struggled with this this morning because I could come and tell you stories of the ministry of the Holy Spirit just... Example, example. How God intervened, did miraculous healings, or God inter intervene and open doors that were just ridiculously sharp could be described out- by no other way. So I want to blend a bit of that and a bit of hopefully good theology together this morning for you. John chapter sixteen verse twelve. I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not. Speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will will speak. And he will tell you all things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Ministry of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living together, intimately united together. Technical difficulties is not part of my PowerPoint. Excellent. That's all right, mate. You can. That's cool. I think, though, to understand this passage, you've got to understand what's happened in the prior preceding stuff to get a context of why Jesus has gone, hey, you're not going to bear anything more than I'm able to tell you. So let me give you a bit of an overview for those as we as we come into this, you know, what is it, five weeks from Easter? Uh, what's going on in John chapter eleven? So I want to go back five chapters and work forward. In John chapter eleven, Jesus does this amazing miracle um, where he raises the guy Lazarus from the dead. You may have heard of that. It's also got the shortest verse in the Bible in it. In John eleven thirty-five, it just says, "When Jesus heard his friend had died, it says Jesus wept." That's what happens. Word of that goes more viral than the coronavirus around the country. gets to the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They're going, this has got to stop. Who is this fellow Jesus and what does he think he's doing? Like he's getting more of a name than what we're doing. Like he's got to go. So they hatch a plan to, to top him, to kill him. All around the same sort of time, Jesus stays at Lazarus' house for the night. He has dinner with him and Mary and Martha. Mary goes, this really strong, I'm going to say divine appointment ministry of the Holy Spirit. He goes, Something, Jesus, something's going to happen to you and I have this really strong sense I need to anoint you with this perfume. So she takes this really expensive perfume that you can't buy at Chemist's Warehouse and she takes it to Jesus and she pours it over him and it says it, Permeates everywhere. A really um, significant act that Jesus saw that, that that this is preparation for what I'm about to do when it comes to the, the Easter story, as it were. That's six days before Good Friday. Five days before Good Friday, you remember last week's story for the children's talk that Phoebe led us in? Dave the donkey led Jesus. It's not a very Hebraic name, so I think it could be wrong, but... Day of the donkey led Jesus into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry, all the palm leaves, Hallelujah, glory to the God, God of on high. You remember all that Palm Sunday? That was that day. And then the day before, that's in John chapter twelve. And then in John chapter thirteen, Jesus goes, "Hey, I want to have a meal together in the upper room. I'm going to call it the Last Supper, and I just want you twelve to be with me." And all the preparations get made for that. That's the setting where this story takes place, where this account, where these words, where these verses are spoken. They have the meal and Jesus goes, you know what, I think I need to... to..." He grabs a towel and a basin, a bowl of water, he goes, and he goes, washes all their feet and there's a bit of, whoa, don't touch my feet. That would be like someone coming up to you in modern day Australia going down to like, down the building site, down here, and go, gentlemen, I want to wash all your armpits. Oh, yeah, like, all the ladies are going, woo! All the blokes are going, touch my armpit, I will kill you. <laughs> and there's a bit of animosity. They're going, whoa, put a bit of pushback. Jesus goes, unless I do this, or you're like, you know, come on, this is really important to me. They go, yeah, okay. So they wash his feet. And then the comments made in amongst all that, while they're having, doing all this stuff's going on, and Jesus says, by the way, one of you are going to betray me. And they're going like, who the hell is that? What was going on? And there's a lot of argy bargy back and forth. And Jesus goes, Guys, it's the one who I'm going to dip this bit of bread in and give it to. And he passes it, you know, the story, gives it to Judas, and he says to Judas, Sunshine, what you do do quickly. The end of John chapter 13 has five five words in the sentence, and it just says, And it was night. Not just because the moon was up and the stars were tinkling, but there's this spiritual darkness that comes in as Judas leaves the room to go and do go and do what he's got, hatch his plan. Starts in train the whole crucifixion of Jesus. Judas leaves the room. Jesus says then in John chapter 13, a... Gentlemen, there's a few things I need to say to you. And the disciples are there going, huh, You got something? We got a few things we want to ask you. And so there's this dialogue from John chapter 13 to the end of John chapter 17 where Jesus does a lot of talking and the disciples ask five questions. And the last question that they ask that Jesus then goes on to speak to is John chapter 14, verse 22, where The other Judas in the 12 disciples, I hope you knew there was two Judases, Judas Iscariot and the other Judas. don't know what his surname was, but he's just the other Judas. He comes to Jesus and he says this. He goes, Lord, I've got a question for you. How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Oh, man, that's a good question. Ever been around someone who's asked you a really dumb question and you're like, seriously? Like, can't you answer that yourself? And Then you hang around someone who asks the smoking hot questions. This guy knows how to ask smoking hot good questions. He goes, Lord, how is it you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? If you as a Christian, struggle with the concept of what makes me different from the world over here and how does God relate to me compared to how God relates to the world over here, then you need to read from John 14, verses 22 to the end of John chapter seventeen, Because Jesus outlines methodically how God manifests himself from heaven to earth through his people in the world that we live in. He says this, you remember the passages in John chapter 14? You remember John chapter 14? That's the that's the passage that has, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right, We're getting better. You remember John chapter 15? That's the passage where Jesus talks about, I am the, the vine, you are the branches, and talks about us bearing fruit and not bearing fruit, and, and what goes on about being a servant and a son and all that sort of stuff. John chapter 16 is the passage we just read where Jesus says if, if I, when I go away I'm going to send the holy spirit and John chapter 17 Jesus closes out what he's saying with three with with some prayers, one for the disciples in that upper room and then this prayer for the future believers, the you and I where he says Father My prayer for the future believers, that's you and me. Father, my prayer is that they would be one as we are one. And the great opportunity that we have as God's people as he manifests himself to you and I is to be one with God because that's Jesus' heart for you. That's what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to be one with him. And he's done everything that he can to open that space to say, hey, Jeff, come on down, mate. Come and be one with me. He says it to you. Come and be one with me. I'm going to go to heaven and prepare a place for you, but I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit here, and he's going to guide you in all truth. Get to know him. Get to know him. One of the great challenges we have as Christians or one of the great challenges we have in church tradition is we tend to do this, is we tend to have this over-emphasis over here on either the Holy Father of who God is, an unapproachable divine being that is unknowable, or we tend to go in the middle here somewhere and, and separate it about this far and go, you know, we'll have... Will and just embrace Jesus? Just give me Jesus. That's, that's all I need. Or, or the other end of church tradition takes us over here and go, God's given us his Holy Spirit, so, oh, Holy Spirit, come and give me every experience under the sun. I just want to know you more. And if we exclude Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by well, that much distance and we live ourselves in error, we have to bring them together in a holy unity in our lives where we go, God... You are so intimately united together in oneness. I want to know you as that. I understand the distinctive of how your Father, Son and Holy Spirit, I get that. But as I come before you, I need to know you for who you are. And if we live our lives as Christians devoid of the who you are of God and the guiding power of the Holy Spirit and the act of Jesus and the love of a father for us, if we live like that as Christians and we don't live distinct from the world that we live in and the Christian life that God calls us to at best, we have a form of godliness but deny his power at worst We live in outright hypocrisy. Last year, um, professionally, for me and my occupation as a police chaplain was a very difficult year. Not because of the stuff that I did, but because of the national issues that were going on, particularly around the whole Royal Commission and institutional sex abuse. And I'm not casting any aspersions against Cardinal Pell or anything like that. I don't know the facts. I can't comment on that. But when I see a Royal Commission that comes in and goes, mate, what you did was just the grossest, inhumanist, animalistic thing. You need to go to jail for a very, very long time. And they stand there and they say, God will forgive me of my sin. It's okay. I said that is outright hypocrisy because God calls you as a Christian, he calls me as a Christian to live above reproach. As Jesus said, let the little children come to me is a safe place place. You and I should be safe places for people to come to. Man, woman or child, we should all be safe because we are the representation of God, the representative, sorry, of God to the world. We are his ambassadors. And as we align and as we rise up in in the Lord to be more and more like Jesus, we become instruments of righteousness, Romans 6 tells us. Instruments in the hands of God representing him where he can work through us into the situations and the stories and the lives that we find ourselves confronted with and ladies and gentlemen in the ordinary everyday of life we must understand how god wants to manifest himself in us as we live in a world that is riddled with fear anxiety Torment, and worst of all, is destined for hell unless the realization of who Jesus is comes into their heart. And we have that influence, we have that opportunity, we are given that responsibility. make the most of what God gives us. And that starts first and foremost in our own lives, that as we grow up, when we enter into a relationship, we get a family, it starts with our families, and goes out, ripples like a a stone dropping in a pond, it ripples out to the ends of the earth. And at each ripple, God represents. God asks us to represent him well. And at each ripple, this verse tells us in John chapter 12, the spirit of truth, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you. Your life is not devoid as a Christian. You're not just stuck out here on your own. You have God. With you. You have this thing called the ministry of the Holy Spirit, of God's Holy Spirit in you, rising up through you to guide you in the circumstances and situations you find yourself in. I hope that you are open. I hope that you have an open door to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. He will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority or own initiative, but whatever he hears, it's from Jesus and the Father. He will tell you of things to come. Unfortunately, our PowerPoint has cracked a sad and decided to die. Long live Microsoft. but what I wanted to show this morning and what I wanted to align with this morning was, um, and sorry, that's no offence to our operator. He's doing a smoking hot good job, but hey, you can only work with the tools you've got, Hank. Um, what I wanted to do this morning was just talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to do it through a leadership model. I don't know if you've ever read, uh, read or been a part of John Maxwell's book, um, The 360 Degree Leader, how we have those over us. We have leadership with those beside us and leadership of those under us. Um, It's a really widely thing. I know the police use that sort of model of leadership all the time when they evaluate stuff, this 360 model of leadership. They go, have you ever heard of it, Jeff? I'm going, I know where you stole it from, buddy. Um, And what I'd like to show to this is the Holy Spirit has a place over you. He has a real place beside you. And he gives you insight and a reminder for those who are under you. For those over you, the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth, both externally and internally. He's the one, when the dominoes are falling over, he'll put his hand in to stop the rest of the dominoes falling over. He's the one who'll open doors for you as you align with him, to say, Jeff, how about we do this for a bit? I remember I was in a in one of a previous church, and um, this particular Tuesday morning, I had this phone call from this um, bloke who wasn't in attendance to our church. He said, "Jeff, can I come and see you?" Yeah, that's fine, mate. Come on, come on down. And and he came in and we had a chat, and he just burst into tears on me on all this stuff, and I'm like, I was not expecting that. The next Tuesday morning, same, same time, 8.30, I'm sitting at my desk, phone rings again. Hey, Jeff, another complete random from our church. Can I just come in and have a chat with you? I want to talk about some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Come in, we're talking about some stuff. Burst into tears. Right? That's cool. I'm really cool with new people, so that, that's cool. The next week, it happened again, same time, Tuesday morning, 8.30, phone rings. I'm going, hang on a second. I'm seeing a pattern. So I said to my um, said to my admin bloke out the front. I said, "Mate, next Tuesday, just cancel my diary from 8:30 to 10 o'clock." Well, for I don't know. I just reckon. Next Tuesday, 8:30. Phone rings. Yeah, I can see you, mate. Come in. And it was going to happen too. Do you want me to tell you? Happened for 10 weeks in a row. On the 11th week, I went out to on the 10th week. Sorry, I went out to my admin bloke. I said, "He goes, what's happening?" I said, you wouldn't believe what's happening, mate. He goes, he said, can I have a talk? I said, I can tell you what's going to happen. And God just opened doors sometimes when we have to be sensitive and aware, God, I think this is you. I'm going to avail myself and be ready for what you want to do. I don't know about you, but have you ever had that experience where you've just managed to be in the right place at the right time? And you don't know any idea how it's happened. Well, I want to say to you, you're not that good. It has to be God. God will make you always, always make you look good. As you seek to honour Him, God will put you in the right place at the right time, all the time. A couple of months ago, I had to drive up to um, Alpha. Central Queensland had to do a presentation on Australia Day on spirituality and mental health at this community gizmo-jiggy thingy, and um, that was pretty cool. But the week before, we had a a really critical incident. We had a search and rescue. The person we were looking for unfortunately died, and they said, Jeff, next time you're going through this country town, can you just call in on the coppers because it's just they're having a bit of a tough time? I said, mate, I can do that tomorrow. They go, no, 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 no. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, I'm already... Five hours away at another town out west, I'll just duck over there and drive up. They go, Jeff, you're awesome. I don't know how you do that. And I'm like, it's just what a chaplain does, sir. It's just what a chaplain does. And I don't know about you, but I have story after story after story how God somehow over me just ordains my diary and opens stuff. And I want to encourage you, be open to God opening stuff for you. Be be sensitive, go this could be God. And make some space for that. It also happens not just externally. I think the ministry of the Holy Spirit can happen internally in us. You ever you've been reading a Bible passage and this verse just bounces off the off the page at you and you go, Oh, what's that? That that really ministered, that really touched my life. I want to suggest that's God going, that's a place where I want you to dwell. I'm I'm speaking to you, Jeff. I'm speaking to you, mate. I'm speaking to you, darling. Let me let me minister to you. Reach out to you, God. You give us visions or dreams. He says He doesn't do it on His own authority. He only does it what He hears the Father and Jesus saying. God is bigger than you. He's over you. His ministry, therefore, is monumentally bigger than you. And he can ordain and direct and guide you in where he wants you to be, in where he wants you to grow in, and in what he wants you to know. I encourage you. Be open to the Holy Spirit being over you. I think also the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is something that lives very much beside us. I sit with people all the time who go, and I ask, you know, we, we've been talking about stuff, they go, I don't know where God is anymore. Like I, I'm going through through hell on earth and God, just it's just nothing. In the nicest possible way, can I ask you, who's moved? Because God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm the God who cannot change. I'm the same yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. So God's always going to be near you. If we're going, God, where, where in, I was going to say, where the hell, where the heaven are you? Where are you? Then I want to suggest, sorry, my brain is gone. Um, I want to suggest we have to find our way. God, lead me back to where you are. I want to know you. I want to be with you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is taking that journey back. Jeff, what are you doing over there, mate? Come on, let's come back over this way. Learn the nudges, the promptings, the leadings, the settledness of the Holy Spirit. You ever had that time when you just feel really fearful or really intense or really busy? I remember one time I was driving from Toowoomba to Warwick and I was I was running late for meetings. like I was so double booked. It was just ridiculous. And I'm cruising at the speed limit down the road, sort of close. And um, this was before I was a police chaplain. Um, anyway, um, cruising down the road. And I just remember this voice say to me as clear as anything, Jeff, would you just look up? Would you, would you just look up and breathe? I had made my world that small, and had the blinkers on that hard, that I couldn't see any of the other stuff. It affected me physically. I was that focused on getting to whatever that was, that next thing was. It was affecting my breathing. It was affecting everything. God, Jeff, just look up. I sustain all this. I sustain you. It's gonna be okay. If you feel yourself getting fearful, if you feel yourself something coming against where it's not of God, you just go, whoa, what's going on? Look up. Let the ministry of God guide you externally. Let him encourage you internally. It was January of 2015. I was praying before the God, just before God one day, just seeking him about some just. Just, it was just a normal day, just still my normal bloke sort of prayer kind of thing. And I remember I just had this really strong sense God said to me, Jeff, what does it mean to abide? I'm like, I know that's God because he asks really good questions as well. And I said, yeah, and I rattled off. I, I'm, talking, I'm talking to myself like I'm talking to God. I'm going, God, it means this, this, and this, this. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's what you tell everybody else, but what does it mean for you? And it really like an arrow in my heart. Six months later, seven months later, sorry, in the July, my life just went to, do you understand when I say my life just went to putty? It, the wheels just fell off the wagon. And I think one of the things that held me through that time was in the January seven months prior, the ministry of the Holy Spirit was coming into my life saying, Jeff, I know what's coming up here. I want to start teaching you what to do now so when you get there, you'll get through it and you'll still be honouring me and you'll still be strong. The ministry of the Holy Spirit beside you is real, is tangible, is open, is grounded. It's not some superficial, airy-fairy thing. He will guide you in all truth. The truth is a solid thing. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I encourage you, let and ask and seek and know what it is to have the Holy Spirit guide you because as you draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Holy Spirit is a strong yet gentle person. He will wait for you. He will guide you. He is inviting you to reach out and take His hand and learn to walk with him. And I've seen that beautifully expressed in the life of little kids, as I've seen it amazingly expressed in the life of really elderly people. And the thing I love about the Holy Spirit, whether you are up here really old and frail, or whether you're down here really young and just like got so many beans in you bouncing that your can's rattling all over the place. The same God, irrespective of age, gender or generation, reaches out and goes, hey, buddy, hey, darling, just want to speak to you. just want to guide you in truth. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Lastly, I'm sorry, I haven't got a watch on. I don't oh, Good night, sorry, I'm going on late. Um, for those under you. I don't know about you, but for years I got the I, I got this guilt from the church. Can I just use that phrase? The guilt from the church. You know this, you've got to evangelize, evangelise, evangelise, evangelise. Like go and tell somebody about Jesus, and I'm like, uh-uh. I am an introvert, I am male, I am a little bit shy sometimes. I ain't doing whatever that is. You can do that on your own. That was about 25 years ago. What I've learned in the journey of time since then is, God, I'm happy to represent you. I'm happy to be your ambassador. I tell you what, this is the arrangement I have with God. The internal workings of Jeff. God, I will speak about you at any time, just like that. But if there's a if there's an opening or there's someone you really want to talk me to talk to, can you just set up the opportunity? And I'll be ready. I can't believe how the ministry of the Holy Spirit has opened me to talk to witches, to warlocks, to prostitutes to police, to people in watch houses, to people over my back fence, that to young kids, old kids, really old people. And it just takes so much pressure off God. I, I will represent you and I will represent you well, but you, if you open the door, I will just walk through it. And just give me something to say. I'll just start talking about Anything. Last year, I'm not sure if I I, I met an atheist. I don't believe in any of that God rubbish. And I don't know why you believe that. I said, I suppose we all live from our values and you obviously value that, but I value God and I'm not backing down from whatever you're thinking. So we had a bit of a moment. Six months later, I get a phone call from this particular atheist. Jeff, my life is falling apart. Can you help me? Yeah, let's do that. Long, short version of a long story. She goes, I said, can you pray? Have you ever thought about praying to God? You mean like talking out loud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Nah. You should have a go. Uh uh-uh. uh. Two weeks later, she she rings me, she says, I've just text, I've just googled how to pray to God. I go, Oh, don't do that. <laughs> That's weird. Just just like start talking, like God, just like you talk to your partner, God, blah, blah, blah. She rings me a week later. She said, Jeff, I just did the weirdest thing I've ever done. I just talked to God. What did he say? I don't know, but I'm still stunned that I actually just talked to God. I said, well, you better get ready because he's going to, did you ask him a question? I said, oh, you're in, she said, yeah, yeah. I said, you're in so much trouble. I oh, really, yeah, he'll answer you. Started a journey six months after that. He completely restored her situation. Completely. And From what I understand, she's now right with God. What did it start with? God, I'm going to minister to anyone you give around me or under me. Help me be ready. You can't look at a passage like this in isolation from its context. That's basically what I want to say. You can't be so academic that you miss the relationship of your theology. You can't bring your theology to the Bible and go, this is what I believe, how it works out for me. No, you've got to let the Bible speak to your theology. So you go, this is how I choose to live because this is how God ministers and guides me in all truth so I can represent him well. You can't understand this book unless you understand it's an earthy fisherman who wrote it in relationship with God, a real person called John, that goes, this is what I know of Jesus. He's real. I want to write it down. I want to live for him. John just didn't get to the end of the book and close it. He actually wrote five books in the Bible. History records after he gets out of, John ends up in jail, that's where he writes Revelation. He goes out, he goes around doing a bit of visitation, dropping in on a few churches and that sort of thing. He says to this one guy, hey, there's this young kid in church, look after him. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, mate, look after him. God's got his hand on his life. Goes away, comes back years later. This young kid's growing up and joined a band of, band of thieves and robbers, it's, it's said. John goes, what have you done? to this church leader. Give me a horse. So this elderly man gets on a horse, rides up to the mountains where this guy is, gets arrested, gets taken captive, hostage by those thieves. Says, I want to see your leader. Take him to his leader. When this young kid, now grown man, looks and sees John, turns and runs for his life a hundred a hundred miles an hour the other way. John, nudging really old age. It said it says John um, what did it say? Ignored his age, hitched up his trousers, and ran for his life. And caught the old mate. catches him, embraces him, goes, "Mate, God has His hand on your life. What are you doing over? What are you doing over here when God wants you over here?" Restores him. This guy becomes a leader in the church. This book the Gospel of John. Those two verses are written by a guy who from the beginning of his age to the end of his life lived a life of being sensitive to that work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit to those over him, to those beside him, to those under him and he never let it go. I want to encourage you in your life as a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? Read John 14, 15, 16, 17. You'll get it. But never Let it go. Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit is what separates you and I from the world and it gives us a divine advantage which is so unfair to the world. But God goes, just trust me and I will guide you and I will show you things that aren't known yet because you're mine. I would encourage you, live in the divine relationship of God with you. I pray for you. God, I would suggest I know you're God. Oh, you're so God. Our world is not devoid of a God. It lives in the presence of Almighty God who holds the world in his hand, who gave and sent his son Jesus into the world to to clear the way of sin and to invite us into an intimate relationship with you and who gives us then his Holy Spirit to guide and walk with us in life. I pray God for each of us in the three groups of people represented here this morning, for those that don't know you, who've never given their lives to you. I pray God that something of the understanding and the ministry of of your spirit into each of our hearts this morning would convict us of the need to be right with you. Lord Jesus, I pray if you're someone here this morning who's not right with God, he invites you to confess your sin, your separation from him, and ask Jesus to come into your life. If you're sitting here this morning as a Christian and you go, you know what, I've never really engaged with the Holy Spirit much, I pray, God, that you would so fall on us this morning as your people, that you would manifest yourself in us and through us and open our eyes to who you are and to what you've done and what you've given us in the Holy Spirit walking beside us. If there's those of us this morning, Lord, who are living in fullness and understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Lord, open doors, open doors, Lord. Give us open doors to represent you and to know you well. But I pray, God, and I thank you that you are a living God who wants to minister to us Whether and to us to know you. And you speak to us when we're still far away, when we're still limited in understanding and when we still even have full understanding, you draw us closer and closer to God because you say to us, if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I pray this morning there will be that drawing closer and closer to you. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Just remain seated as uh, those collecting the offering come round and then let's stand together and sing this last song as Liam directs.